Thank you for listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland podcast. A message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 8. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what's going on around the world, that there is peace in the house of God. There's peace with God's people. There's peace for us, Father God, when we cry out to you. That, Lord, no matter what trials, no matter what tribulations, no matter what strife may be going on, Father, there is peace when believers come together in one mind, one accord, in the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just thank you, Father God, that your spirit is with us. We pray that you would just have your way in this service. Father God, that you would just speak through me, Lord, to articulate what it is you've laid on my heart. Father, as we celebrate in the newness of life what you've done in these ladies, Lord, how you've brought them out of darkness into your marvelous light. We celebrate these things, and we just thank you because it's the Word of God that we just impart into them that just transforms their mind to get them to think differently about who they are. And Father, what's the Spirit of God that's in them that begins to show out of them, Lord, that everybody wants to know what's made the difference. And Father, it's that difference that we talk about this morning. It's God the Father, it's God the Son, and it's God the Holy Spirit that that has transformed us. And we just thank you for your word that is so rich this morning. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 8, it says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. I started reading this scripture Friday, and then yesterday as I was spending time with God and getting ready for this morning, I found this passage quite interesting. When we think about Thanksgiving, that's what we're going to celebrate. This is not one of those typical Thanksgiving messages. We've got so much to be thankful for. And Paul mentions these things in here. So what I found interesting that kind of led me to start studying out this passage is, number one, that the person that wrote it, It was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul who had visitation with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he, he writes this passage. And then also, because Paul, number two, he was an educated man, and he makes two statements in this passage. He says, number one, in verse number eight, he says that I have a knowledge of Christ Jesus. But then in verse number 10, he says, but that I may know Him. And I think a lot of us, you know, as we, as we talk about these things this morning, many of us have a knowledge of who Jesus is. You know, maybe we, we grew up in church. Maybe somebody shared the gospel message with us. Maybe it was our parents or our grandparents or somebody told us about Jesus. There's a Bible sitting somewhere in our house and we've heard people talk about it. You know, Brother David comes in and he preaches every Sunday morning and Sunday night about this man Jesus and this Bible. So we have a knowledge, we have a head knowledge of who He is. And so Paul says, I have a knowledge of this salvation. But yet he says, but yet I want to know Him. You know, I think so many times we, we get to this place where we, we have a knowledge because we hear other people, but we don't really know God. It's kind of like, I, I have a knowledge of who Barack Obama is, but I don't really know Him. 
know that he's the president of the United States, but I don't know him. I don't know what his hobbies are. I don't know what his likes and dislikes. I don't know how he does certain things when he's in the Oval Office and he's eating dinner. I don't know what he does for Thanksgiving. So to have a knowledge of him, but I don't really know him. And I think so many of us struggle with that in our Christian walk. And we don't understand why things are going the way that they're going. Like I said, the Apostle Paul spent three years with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go back and you read in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 18, he talks about how he was in Arabia and he spent three years with God. I think about that, man. I would love to spend three years with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lock me up in a place where I have nothing else to do but spend time with Jesus Christ. That would just be the greatest thing in the world. But yet, if I can't do three years, I would still love to just have an encounter with Jesus. How many of you have had an encounter with Jesus? Man, I can tell you times where I know for a fact that He's been there. He's talked to me. I can tell you where there's times His presence has been so real in my life that I just know that it's Him. I spoke to a young man yesterday morning. His grandmother called me and she said, I've got this grandson that's 16 years old and he's struggling and he's he's smoking pot and he's having problems in school. She said, would you please come talk to him? And so I go talk to this young man and as I walk in the house, I mean, instantly I could just feel this resistance. And he's 16 years old. No matter what I told him, I I told him how dangerous marijuana is. that There's more cancer causing agents in marijuana than there are in cigarettes. He said, that's a lie. I told him how dangerous marijuana is and what it does to your brain and the, the studies that I've read over the years. And he said, that's a lie. You know, he said, well, it's legal in Colorado. And I said, and I can tell you that the crime rate in Colorado has went up since they legalized marijuana. He said, that's a lie. And so I thought, well, I'm not getting anywhere this way. So let me talk to him about the Lord. And I started talking to him about God. He said, he said, any person that has to believe in a higher power is a fool. And so for about 45 minutes, I'm sitting there talking to this young man. I could have said red and he was going to say blue. And so I got to this point where I just sat there and his grandmother, you know, every time I tried to say something, she would answer for him, which is part of his problem. And so I finally got to a point where I just let the two of them talk and I just sat there and I stared at the wall and I just prayed. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me, He said, until he's, really, until he's ready to believe, there's nothing that I can do. And so as soon as I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that, I just stretched out my hand. I said, man, it was nice to meet you. I shook his hand. I turned to look at grandmother. And I said, bless you, ma'am. I said, good luck. And she just looked at me. She goes, you're leaving? I said, ma'am, there's nothing I can do here. Even though I know that the Spirit of God lives in me and I know that God's given me authority, there's only so many things that we can do until people are willing to receive. You have to want to know Him. You have to want to know Him. God is not a forceful God. God is not going to push anything on you that you don't desire. I can't take you down here and say you're going to eat turkey or else. You have to choose to put it on your plate, open your mouth and eat it. You have to choose to want to open your heart. These ladies, there was at a point in their life where they didn't want nothing to do with God. Give them drugs, give them alcohol, give them whatever the things of the world. But they didn't want nothing to do with God until we get to a point where we've hit rock bottom and we realize there's got to be a change. And it's at that point where they open up their heart and they open up their eyes. And it's just like the Apostle Paul who's writing this, where the scales fell off of his eyes and he said, now I've had a relationship. Now I've had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. The scales fell off of their eyes. And then they decided not to just have a knowledge of who Jesus was, but to know Him. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is that we know Him. But verse 10 says, he says, not only that He wanted to know Him, He said that I may know Him, but He says that I would know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. Paul says, I know about this salvation that comes through Jesus, but there's more that I want to know. This word know 
is the Greek word gnosko, which means to learn more. Paul says that I may learn more about who Jesus Christ is. This to know is, is something that should make us hunger for the things of God, to hunger for a greater knowledge of who God is. So what is it exactly that we need to know? What is it the Apostle Paul wants us to know? He says, I want you to know about the power of His resurrection, about the power of His suffering, about the power of His death. When we understand these things, we talked about this morning, we read that prayer. He says this word power, it's that dunamis power that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. And he goes on and he says in verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's His power. I don't want to just know that Jesus died on the cross. I don't want to just know that there's a God in heaven. I don't want to just know that there's a book out there that's got a lot of writings in it. What I want to know is is that there's power in those things. Because I can bring these ladies in. I can say, ladies, what we're going to do is for the next 12 months, we're going to do Bible study. Okay, We're going to study the Word of God. We're going to go through a bunch of workbooks and that's all we're going to do. That's great because that gives them a knowledge of who He is. But until they experience the power, it's nothing. It's just head knowledge. And we've got to get to a place where there's got to be heart knowledge. Like I said, I preached already this year in probably over 35 different churches. And I go into a lot of Spirit-filled churches. And it's amazing to me when the Spirit of God moves, the pastors will come up to me after service and they're like, man, we haven't had a service like that in I couldn't tell you when. Because what they do is they want to stand up. They want to stare at the clock. I went to this one church, and I won't tell you what church it was, but I went to this one church, and the guy told me, he said, now we end at this time. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll try to cut it off. He said, no, brother. He said, we end at this time. I mean, when that clock was ticking, and it started flashing red. They had a screen on the back, and it started flashing red if I went over. They said, we end at this time. We'll cut your mic off. You leave no room for the power of the Spirit. So all you want is somebody to come up here and read a bunch of Scripture to you and say, be blessed and be filled and go about your way. We need to desire to learn more about His power. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is that power. In Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus tells us, He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want that power to come upon me so that I can go out and I can be a light in this dark world. So the first area of power that we need to desire is to know the power of His resurrection. There is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts 4.33 says, With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Two things he says here in Acts 4.33. Number one, that there was power in His resurrection. See, this is the deal. The church of Jesus Christ right now is being defeated because of the Islamic nation. And the reason is this. They believe more in the power of a man that died and never rose again than we do in a Savior that has risen. The church of Jesus Christ, we need to rise up and we need to understand the tomb is empty. There is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that set these young ladies free from the bondage of drugs and alcohol. And it's the same power that can heal you. It's the same power that can transform your life. It's the same power that can deliver you from whatever bondage is affecting you. But do we truly understand in the power of His resurrection? And then it says this, he says, and then the great grace Grace was upon them all. It wasn't just grace. Grace being that unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to deserve it. But it was great grace. 
They had great grace because they understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of his holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We receive power because of the resurrection. Jesus Christ got up. This young man, as I talked to him, he was talking about this. He said, well, how do you believe? I said, because the tomb was empty. He said, was you there? I said, no, but I said, 500 people, according to the Bible, plus the disciples, saw him. They saw him. They took him in and they placed him in and they wrapped him. I love Easter. I know Christmas is coming up. You're like, brother, you just missed one. I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. But Easter... It's the resurrection that they walked into this tomb that was sealed shut and something opened. We know who it was. They said, you know, something moved this stone. It was the power of God moved the stone and they walked in and the shroud was still sitting there, but the body was gone. They said, we're going to pay the guards and tell everybody that somebody came and stole the body. How many of you, if you're going to steal something, you're going to unwrap it first and then wrap it back up nonetheless? There's power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in the glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. Because of the power of the resurrection, we called upon and believe in the Son of God and we have been transformed. We were once corruptible, but today we are incorruptible because of Jesus. We were once dishonorable, but today we are honorable because of Jesus. We were once dead, but today we're alive because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These ladies would tell you that there was a time in their life where nobody wanted anything to do with them. They were dishonored. They were corruptible. They were dead. But because of Jesus and the power of His resurrection, today they are alive. We had a young lady that just graduated Thursday. An amazing thing, because when she came in, she lost all of her kids. This one lady that had her youngest child, her youngest daughter, said when she came into the program, I remember calling her, and I called the lady that had her daughter, and I called her brother. And I said, would you do anything to help her? And the brother said, I don't have a sister. She's dead as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to help her at all. She's a liar. She's a thief. I don't want nothing to do with it. And then the woman that was raising her youngest daughter, she said, no. She said, this daughter has been let down enough. I don't want nothing to do with her. After she was in the program about four or five months, the woman started letting her make phone calls with her daughter because she noticed a change. She knew that there was something different. And then when she graduated, the brother said, what can I do to help her? I'll do anything because that is not the sister that I remember. She's a new creation because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to desire a greater knowledge of His resurrection power, but we also need to desire a greater power of His suffering. There's power in His suffering? Is that what you're trying to say? There's power in the suffering of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 21-22, through 22, and it says, He strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus said, I must suffer many things. Then the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings for this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul had been beaten, he had been shipwrecked, and Paul says, But my suffering is nothing compared to what Jesus went through. So let me just ask you a question. How many of you 
have went through some suffering, some trials, some tribulations, some things that you just don't like. Can I just tell you today and encourage you a little bit? Your sufferings are nothing like what Jesus went through. There's been times where I've had those pity parties. Woe is me. You just don't understand everything I've been through. You just don't have a clue what's going on in my life. You just don't. Listen, I tell you what, I have not been beat with 39 lashes from a cat of nine tails. I have not had a crown of thorns pushed onto my head. I have not been spat on. I have not been embarrassed. I have not been stabbed in my side. Let me just tell you, your sufferings are nothing compared to the Lord Jesus' sufferings. But the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. See, the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Because it's through the sufferings of Christ that He did that we find our healing. By His stripes we are healed. Because of His blood, we have salvation. Because He was pierced for our iniquity, He was bruised for our transgression. A crown of thorns was placed on His head for us. So because of His sufferings, Jesus said, I must suffer. Why? For you. He suffered for you, church. My question is this, when you're going through trials and tribulations, are you suffering for Christ or are you just looking for a pity party? Jesus had to suffer so that He may be our example. He suffered because He told us, He said, you're going to suffer. Matthew 10.22 says, You will be hated by all for My name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. We need to quit looking at our sufferings. We need to quit looking at our tribulations. We need to quit looking at our trials. Looking for that pity party and someone to console us. What we need to start doing is we need to start looking at our sufferings and saying, man, I count it all joy that I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. Man, I've had people rise up against me, say things about me. They've tried to do everything they to discredit my ministry, to discredit this teen challenge. They've tried to do all kinds of things, but this is the deal. I con it all joy. Because if I can suffer for the cause of Christ, you say what you want to about me, i got pretty thick skin. You can say what you want about me. Now you try to come against my sheep, you might catch a boot. I'll suffer for the cause of Christ. Because He said that those who endure to the end, let me just tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we need to desire to suffer. 1 Peter 2.23, like I read to you earlier, it says, who when He was reviled did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. And it goes on and talks about our strife. But it says that He did not revile. Yeah, they walked up and they smacked Jesus on the face. He just sat there and stared at him. He didn't even say nothing. Man, somebody comes up and shoves you the wrong way and you're ready to go off on somebody. Had a guy call me the other day. I'm trying to get his wife into Teen Challenge. And I said, are you willing to help? He said, no. He said, she's cheated on me. She's lied to me. She stole from me. He said, I'm not going to help her get into Teen Challenge. He said, who cares about me? He said, all you care about is getting her off drugs and Teen Challenge. What about what she's done to me? I said, my Bible says seven times 70, you need to forgive her. Your wife's been strung out on drugs and she's been under the power of the devil. I'm trying to get her into a place where she's going to fall under the power of God. She's going to be delivered. She's going to be set free. And all you want to do is revile and speak ill and call me names because I'm trying to help your wife. We need to understand that it's through His suffering we also need to suffer because there's power in what Jesus Christ did when He suffered for us. And number three, we need to understand that there's power in His death. 
Now everybody's going to stop because they're going to look and say, okay, I got the resurrection thing. Hallelujah. I'm good with that. He's alive. I, the suffering thing, didn't really like it, but, but now you're telling me I got to die? Yeah, if you want to live. There's power in His death. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through His death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Thank God that the tomb's empty, that we have the promise of eternal life. If, if that's all I came to do was preach to you about uh, just live good. Have, have, you know, that's what this young man, the 16-year-old, he said, you just want to believe in a higher power because you want to live good lives. He said, so that's good. I said, no, brother, I want to live this way because I have a promise of eternal life. And he said, brother, he said, when you die, all you're going to do is go into the ground and that's it. I said, maybe that's what you think. I know that I'm going to a place called heaven. I know that I'm going to spend eternity with my Father. I know that this body is going to give away, but I'm going to get a new body. Praise God. And it's going to be a lot better looking than this one. I promise you that. All right? I don't know. I might have a head full of hair. I don't know what I'll be like in heaven. But I know that I have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears My words and believes in them who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. The power of Jesus' death not only gave us life, but when we stand before the Father, all who have been washed by the precious blood of Jesus will be judged righteous and inherit the kingdom of God. Those who have not been washed by the blood will be judged and sentenced to eternal death. There's power in His death because it's through His death that even though we will die, we'll rise again just as He rose again. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Because of his death, we're no longer in bondage. Because of his death, we have the promise of life. And because of his death, the devil has been defeated. Paul said, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, Hades, where is your... There's no sting in death anymore. I don't have to worry about dying. This ministry right here, Teen Challenge, was established because the young man, 17 years old, put a switchblade knife on and said, Preacher, I will cut you into a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson looked at him and said, All thousand will lay on the ground and look at you, Nikki Cruz, and say, Jesus loves you. I can stand there without fear. I had a young preacher friend of mine that had a church in Memphis for several years. And he said, Pastor Tim, I can't tell you how many times people would pull guns on me and stick it to my head. And I said, Man, what did you do? He said, I just looked at him and said, Jesus loves you. He said, now would I hate to die because I've got a wife and three kids? I would hate it. He said, but I didn't fear death because I knew that I had a better place. Now church, I'm going to tell you something. When I was running the streets, I've been shot at and I've been stabbed. Since I've been a Christian, I have not had to endure those things. I've had other things to endure. But we don't fear death because it's through the power of Jesus' death that we have life. Church, we need to make a decision this morning. Just as the Apostle Paul made the decision. He says, I'm not content just to know Jesus as my Savior, but I desire that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, the power of His suffering, and the power of His death. I know that in Him, I will one day rise to meet Him in the air. Because of Him, I shall not despise the suffering for the cause of Christ. And because of Him, I'm not afraid to die. 
because I know that I have the promise of heaven. So my question this morning, as we get ready to break bread and as we get ready to thank God for all God's done in our life, do we just know Him or do we have a hunger to know Him? I don't want to just have a knowledge of Jesus. I want to have a hunger to know Him better. I'm going to tell you something. I got delivered from drugs and alcohol in September of 1998. I had a head knowledge of who Jesus was. But then when God delivered me, then all of a sudden there was a hunger that boiled up inside of me to where I wanted to know Him better. And then in 2001, when God called me to ministry and He told me that I was going to start bringing hope to those that are hopeless, those that are in bondage, and I can tell them my story about how God delivered me and He'll deliver them. Since 2001, I can't tell you how many thousands and thousands of people that I've been able to share my testimony with and tell them that there is a God in heaven. He died for you. He rose for you. He's alive for you. He poured out His blood for you. If we will just call upon the name of the Lord, we can be saved. And because of the power of His resurrection, you'll live again. Because the power of His sufferings, you don't have to suffer for eternity. And because of the power of His death, you have life. Church, we need to get to a place where we desire to know Him, to know school, to learn more. Are we in that place? Or do we just come into church, punch our clock and say, I've done my duty. I don't want to just do my church duty. I want to know Him. I'm going to be real with you this morning. You know, when, when I go into churches and, and I look around and I say, turn to a Scripture and people are looking at the screens and thank God for screens. But you're never going to know Him unless you get in His Word and hunger for the things of, of His Word. I want to know Him. But do you, do you know the power? Do you understand the power? Do you understand the power of His death, His resurrection, and His suffering? Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, please visit teenchallengeuc.org.